This is the 288 Football Podcast, recapping week six of the NFL. My name is Anthony, and sitting right across from me via Zoom, as always, is my pal, DeQuincy. Yo, thanks for listening, people. Uh, how you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, almost the end of the week. Uh, a lot of exciting things um, outside of football. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and uh, But, you know, football's still around, so it's like everything is good overall. There's plenty of sports to watch, and, you know, I'm not bored <laughs> by I'm any glad. of it. I'm glad to hear it. Uh, let's start off. Let's start with a confession. Last okay. time we did a podcast, I was like, oh, we'll see you guys Monday. You know, we'll do a podcast over the weekend. And as you may or may not have noticed, we definitely did not do a podcast over the weekend. And like always, that is my fault. Whenever we do the podcast, I usually text Anthony the day before, like, hey, you want to do a podcast on, you know, I'll text him Friday, ask him if he wants to do a Saturday or Saturday if he can do a Sunday. And I try to give him some time to do it. If I don't text him the day before, I'm not going to text him the day of because I feel like that's just, <laughs> you know, you, your weekend is your time. You got things to do, family obligations, woman things, yeah. whatever. So, when it comes around Sunday and I'm watching the game, I'm like, oh shit, I didn't text Anthony. Ah, well, <laughs> well, because <laughs> well, like the um, only guaranteed night that we have to do podcasts is Wednesday, and this will be the second week in a row that we've missed that Wednesday. Right. Well, I will say uh, this weekend. I mean, it was busy. I you know ran around for a little bit, and, you know, hung out with friends, visited friends here and there. Uh, but there really was only there. There's one woman that did take up a lot of my time this weekend. And, and mm-hmm. that was my grandmother. Oh. <laughs> you know, um, we spent basically all of Sunday took her shopping and whatnot and lunch and all that kind of stuff. So uh, so Sunday wouldn't have worked because I was pretty much gone all day. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still a nice day. Got yeah. a lot done for her and uh, had a good meal. So and man, I've been telling people this like all week so she's like i think she was 76 right mm-hmm. and we're getting her flu shot at i think Wal- we're at walgreens waiting in line and you know they're playing music over the speaker mm-hmm. well, my 76 year old grandmother recognizes um you've probably you've, i'm sure you've heard the song i don't know if you remember off the top of your head but um she recognized the song the tide is high by blondie mm-hmm. which came out in 1980 and she recognized it she was like oh yeah i know this song and i was like what you're 76 how do you like granted the song is over 40 years old now but even 40 years ago she wasn't listening to popular music in 1980 she was you know uh you know she just wasn't that wasn't her thing at the time you don't know what your grandma's thing was in the 80s you don't know what her life was no no of course not (laughs) don't don't sell your grandma short but i wasn't expecting her to uh like I would have been 
it wouldn't have surprised me if she recognized like Heart of Glass because mm-hmm. like that's a disco classic and like everybody's probably heard that at some point in their lives. But mm-hmm. the tide is high is like that wasn't a regular song. That's not a regular song that pl- gets played everywhere like these days. Like and for her to recognize, I was like, that's pretty cool. Like it's a it's a cool song. Like you know, Blondie is great, of course. Like mm-hmm. uh, I, I like a lot of her music, but um, I was like really surprised. I was like, man, that's a really cool grandma moment. Like she was like, oh yeah, I know the song. It's really old. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> I guess it is. But um, so that was pretty much my Sunday, like hanging out with my grandmother, listening to cool music, and uh, taking her shopping. So it was a good day. Oh, being a good grandson, that's good. Trying, I'm trying. Um, but having said that, full disclosure, I did not watch the Texans game on Sunday. Full disclosure, you did not miss much. <laughs> like, I'll get right to it. Let's just talk about right now. Texans lose to the Indianapolis Colts 31 to 3. And at this point, <laughs> it was a game that it was a waste of three hours on my end. I should have just cut the cord and stopped watching at halftime. But no, I stayed through the mm, until the fourth. It's it's just obvious that the Texans are, are just not not good at anything. Because mm-hmm. I'm watching the game and I'm I'm actually thinking I'm like, man, on this team, who do I actually trust on both sides of the ball? And all Honestly, the I can't game. think of anybody. Um, probably Brandon Cooks, the wide receiver. He's probably the only person that gets like he's the only person that I would say that what's how am I gonna put if he was on another team, he would be a starter. Mm-hmm. There's no one else on the, on this um Texans offense, defense, or special teams that if they ended up on another football team, they would actually be a starter. They'd be second string or practice squad or something. And well, right. I guess you could say Mark Ingram, if he was on the Ravens, they would take him. He had a decent game to, uh, on Sunday, but man, there's just no hope on this team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and the thing about Cooks is his success is, is predicated on the success of the offensive line, protecting the quarterback and making mm-hmm. sure the quarterback has time to get to the football. So while he might be the most trustworthy player, I mean, that's not, that's even, that's not guaranteed because he's not um, while he's capable of making big plays and making the plays that, that could, you know, possibly keep us in this game. It's might not always happen. If, if, um, if Mills or, uh, or uh, Tyrod Taylor, whoever is is under center, mm-hmm. if they're not being protected, then you know nobody's getting the ball. Nobody's getting that chance to uh, to prove their trustworthiness. Yeah, and you know the offensive line was dealt a, a huge blow, blow losing Laramie Tunsil, and you can see in this game um, that just passed. It was a anytime they would get any kind of momentum, the offensive line would crater. Mm-hmm. And the running game, um, Mark Egan was able to break off a long, a long one in the either second or third quarter, but there really wasn't anything there. Like there, that's been the the same issue they've had for all six games this season. The uh, there is no running game to speak of, so the quarterback basically has to do everything. Um, but 
let's see, Brandon Cooks right now, 40 receptions, 481 yards. So if he keeps this pace and stays healthy, no matter who the quarterback is behind center, he's going to have another thousand yard season. Mm-hmm. And honestly, like if any team came asking about him, I would trade him as soon as I can. I think him and um, Tyrod Taylor are, are the only pieces worth having on his team. Like, right. And, you know, to an extent, David Mills, Davis Mills, I mean, he's mm-hmm. doing what he can. Um, like, I'm not expect, like Mills is doing what I expect for a rookie quarterback in this situation. Right. He's not going to come out here and be an all-star or a pro bowl or anything like that, but he's, he's, um, he's playing like a rookie. I mean, if you look at the stat line, two sacks, two interceptions, no touchdowns. I mean, that, that, that's clearly the line of a rookie quarterback who's not ready and has basically been thrust into this position. Um, you know, however unfair or fair or whatever, or whatever the situation is. I mean, he just, it, it just, it's a classic example of your starting quarterback gets hurt and you have no other option uh, except a rookie. And mm-hmm. he's not ready. The offensive line isn't ready to, to help his maturation and it's showing. Yeah. That's a bad team all around. I was going to, I was about to give props to you, to your boy who you point out every week. <laughs> But then I just noticed, I look at the stat line and it would have been the same thing every, like, as it's been all season. Oh, Phil Lindsay? Yes. Oh, it took me a while to figure out what the hell you were talking about. Because you said, oh, Mark, you said, oh, Mark Ingram had a good game. He he Mm -hmm. had a a run of a long run of 24 yards. And I was like, oh, that's not even the longest run of of, uh, the running backs. And then I looked at Philip, because I looked at Philip Lindsay and he had a 35 yard run. (laughs) But the rest of the, but the game, in total, he had seven carries for 39 yards. So that means he would have, if it wasn't for that 35-yard run, he would have had, what, six carries for four yards? He's averaging over the season 2.5 yards a carry. Man. That is brutal. Pathetic. That's pathetic. Like for a guy who's had a, as good a career as he's had when he was in um in Denver to see this, mm-hmm. but he's on his last legs. Was he's how old is he? He's twenty seven. That is that is a painful thing to say mm-hmm. at our age <laughs> to say that a guy has done it twenty seven. <laughs> he's well, but and, but you know that's just how the running back position goes that's how football goes if you're if you can't produce you know more than two years in a row especially at uh, like you said at the running back position you're not going to be here long mm-hmm. i mean you'll see if you look at the, the running backs today i mean who we're looking at ezekiel elliott saquon barkley um alvin kamara alvin kamara and nick chubb they might be the only guys that you see play productively into their thirties, but out of 32 teams, I mean, that's, that's an insane thought. Yeah. Especially when you can, you know, you have one bad year and 
your team will go and just get some running back from Alabama or Central Florida and pluck them in. They'll have 12, 1,200 yards first year. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, Derrick think- Henry. Derrick yeah, Henry. Henry. Yeah, I forgot about him. Yeah, I think special running backs still matter. But if you don't have a special one, like if you're drafting and there isn't like that special top tier running back at at the top of the draft, then you can find someone in the second and third round to get you until you to handle the load for the next three years until you can find that special guy. Mm-hmm. So kind of a sidebar, but like kind of speaking of the draft mm-hmm. and kind of putting all this, you know, bring this all kind of full circle as we've talked about earlier in the season there isn't a a standout number one like surefire quarterback that could be drafted number one what what is a team like let's say the texans wind up with the number one pick although the detroit lions are giving them a run for their money but um on a mini let's say a team like Let's say a team like the Texans get the number one pick mm-hmm. and there isn't that quarterback that, that must get quarterback. I mean, do you look for that top tier running back or, or the best athlete or because this is a team basically that could use help at all positions? Yes, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where I'd be like, oh, well, you get no one pick. You have holes in so many positions. You need to trade down and, you know, get as many picks you can. The problem is, like, when you trade down, you're usually trading down because that, there's that number one quarterback that someone else wants. Like, even if they, you know, they got the number one pick and they want to trade down, who's trading up for anything in this draft? Right. Like, if you say, oh, this draft is going to be strong and, and um, offensive line, like – that's great, but that's not something that you can um, you're going to build your franchise around. That's not the guy that's going to be selling tickets for you. Mm-hmm. So I'm I don't know, but I don't honestly I don't think we have to worry about them getting the number one pick. They're probably going to be top five. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I don't know. To answer your question honestly, you just grab the best player at that uh, at that position and. And hope that you can um, build through the rest of the draft. Like, you can't just hit at number one in the first round. You have to do all seven rounds. Right. Right. So, but I don't know. When's the last time that you felt good about the Texans draft outside of their first round pick? Outside of the first round? Yeah. When's the last time, you know, you saw a a Texans draft? Yeah, a complete draft. None that I can remember. Exactly. I don't know if I can trust this team, even with the new head coach and, you know, whatever scouting department they have. I don't know if I can trust them to make the right decision when it comes draft time, considering who still still hits, who still sits at the head of the table. Right. And like, I look, you know, I don't hang on to every word that Todd McShay and Mel Kiper Jr. and those kinds of guys, mm-hmm. you know, that, you know, I don't hold, hang on to every single word of theirs, but I try to, you know, because I've, and obviously I can't watch three days worth of a draft, but so, you know, I try to, I try to read their, their report cards for these teams, you know, at the end of, of you know, each year's draft. And mm-hmm. I, I honestly can't remember a year where the Texans were graded and, you know, a B plus or an A by any of these, you know, 
Yeah, and you're you seeing the guys. results of that that right now. Mm-hmm. The fact that they didn't have any kind of good to great players come out of rounds two through five from the 2017, 18, 19, 20 drafts. You're seeing the results of that. The there's no fruit on this tree. Right. Just bad times, baby. To, and and because of the the crop of of players available, it's a bad time to be a bad team. And they're this crazy. They're this crazy uh, mix of being bad, old, and expensive. And we're all of them. Yeah, that's just we're all that's three. where the Texans are right now. But they did help themselves on the expensive front by releasing Whitley Merciless. Yeah, that um... two years ago he signed a four-year, fifty-four million dollar contract extension. Got halfway through and got released. He was basically he picked up his check with a ski mask every two weeks. That man was just robbing money, or every <laughs> game after every game. Pardon me. Like, I don't know what it you know what I know what it was. It was they changed their defense to like a four three and made him a linebacker. So the one thing he was good at rushing the passer, they took away from him. Why would you do that? Especially when you're paying him all that money. Like I want I, you I, I want you to think about think about that question. Let's like, sit <laughs> on your head and then remember who the head coach was during that time period. Yeah, that's that's true. That man's salted the earth so nothing can grow and then <laughs> ran out of town in the middle of the night. Went back to New, you know. Nah, he's at New who, No, no, he is Alabama's offensive coordinator, I believe. Is he? Uh he got that job? That Bill is O'Brien. crazy. I swear to you, he, yeah. Quarterbacks coach. Offense, wow. Offensive coordinator. <laughs> Off- and, yeah. and quarterbacks coach. Yeah. My God. GTBW, good to be white. That man keeps failing up. I guarantee he'll either be in the running for Alabama's head coach job when um, Nick Saban steps down or more likely passes out and get, get sent to the Lord above. Or some like if, if Alabama is good like two, three years, he's going to get another head coaching job in the NFL. Mm-hmm. I'm telling but- you, that, that man's going to – gonna um he's gonna fail upwards that's what's gonna happen right Mm-mm-mm. yeah they never should him they never should have brought him back after that 2019 season mm-hmm. that embarrassing loss to the Kansas City Chiefs who yep they should have ran across the field and gave Eric Bienemy the head coaching job at halftime <laughs> Mm-mm-mm-mm. All right, man. Um, let's yeah. see. On to on to week seven, and 
Also, I mean, we really don't have anything else to talk about this game. It was just it's a combination of things that we've said before. There wasn't really a high spot in the game, and watching it for those three hours, I never felt like the Texans were going to make a run in the game at all. It always felt like they're okay. Maybe they get down the field. Maybe there's a field goal, or maybe you know a missed tackle, and they're able to get in and score a touchdown. But it just never happened. Right. And oh, and oh, oh, before I forget, there's one thing I want to talk about. And it it's it um it's about the defense. So the Texans played this cover two, which means they have the two safeties deep, so no receiver gets past them for long um long um catches. And not only did it happen once, it happened twice. They they let the Texans, I mean the Colts receivers go down the field two times for two 50-yard bombs, one of which went for a touchdown. It's like how are the Colts? Like one was T.Y. Hilton and the other one, I do not remember who it was off the top of my head. But yeah, it was like, what the hell? Like the one thing you're supposed to do is keep the um, the opposing team from going deep. And you let it happen two times. Easily. Mm-hmm. Who was it? The first one, Campbell, 51 yards for a touchdown. Touchdown was so bad that um, the safety Brooks, like he got carted out of the game. I think he just made it back into Houston. I know he's out for this game as well. But yeah. And look at this. Jonathan Taylor rushed for 145 yards on 14 carries Mm -hmm. with a long of 83 yards. I mean, that's basically you've just – It's ba- when a running back runs for 83 yards, which I assume was for a touchdown, the defense is basically just stepped aside at the point. No, here – no, you go with this. Actually, I believe you're headed that way. <laughs> See, 83 yards, it was not a touchdown. Man, I must have – when did that happen? Um, that must have been late in the game. Or it could have been early because I had to go pick up the girlfriend from work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was just... An... It's, it's, not, it's not even embarrassing anymore. It's just expected now. It's like, how are y'all going to lose this? And by how much? And next week, they have the... Um, the J.J. Watt game, they're going to Arizona. Yeah. Yeah. Let me see what the um, the point spread is for that game real quick. Okay. I think last time I saw it was like 17 and a half, which if you don't gamble, that means that's a lot. <laughs> well, yeah, 17 and a half. Take the, you, take the Cardinals. Right. You started off the, 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 this episode when mm-hmm. we started talking about the Texans. Basically, what the way you started out our Texans talk, you could basically just take that clip from the recording from the recording and just insert it into every, every episode the rest of the way. You said, "Well, the Texans lost thirty-one to three. And before yeah. you said against Indianapolis, that 
basically could be against any team at this point. And that's basically <laughs> what it's been. How it's been the whole uh, season. The Texans lost to the Arizona Cardinals by a final score of 45 to 7. <laughs> yeah, man. Ooh. If uh, I said this last time when they took on the Buffalo Bills and got hammered, if you're out there looking for a three team teaser, you better grab Arizona. And that's the base of your teaser right there. I'm letting you know. Mm-hmm. <sighs> um, so let's talk about what is what else has been happening with the Texans lately. News has kicked up about a possible Deshaun Watson trade. Um, a couple teams have been um, announced, but the one that seems to be getting the most traction is Deshaun to the Dolphins. Um, uh, the trade, it'd be basically like a three-team trade where Deshaun would go to the Dolphins. The Dolphins would then trade Tua to, uh, last time I saw it was the Washington football team, and then the Texans would get picks from both. Now, the trade... Um, hasn't been announced yet because I don't think it's I don't even think it's close to being done it, it just seems like there's a lot of smoke and no fire because right. we talked about Deshaun, uh, Deshaun Watson trade earlier and I don't remember if you agreed with me but the consensus I came to was like the trade isn't going to happen and isn't going to happen this year because as you the team that's trading for him, you have no idea what the NFL's punishment is going to be. Like you could trade for him, trade for him. You take the slings and arrows from the media and your fans, and then the commissioner comes down like, well, he's on the commissioner's list. You can't play him. He's uh, basically expelled for the rest of the season. Like I still don't understand why anyone would trade for someone as toxic as Deshaun Watson is right now. Like, would you be better off waiting till the season over and waiting to see what happens with these lawsuits? Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm I'm a little more reserved about the trade. Like, I'm hopeful because I want that that man off my team. But <laughs> I, I I just think it's a lot of smoke signaling nothing. What about you? Yeah, I mean, uh, if ever there was a team that was desperate to to change up their season to try and salvage it. It's, it's the Miami Dolphins at this point. Um, the fact that we're in week seven and they're still picking up room, like the, the rumor is still picking up steam. And uh, despite all the talk of where he might end up, the fact that we're in week seven and Miami is still in the conversation for months now, since just before the allegations came out, that means they are they're crazy enough to do it. They're crazy enough to go through with the trade, take the chance that he could get in for at least, you know, even two games. I feel like, you know, they're, they're willing to try anything at this point. Um, oh, you know why they're so desperate? Do you know what the Dolphins, what their, uh, what their record was last year? Yeah, didn't they? They made the playoffs last year, didn't they? Yeah, or they we, got were close. They made the playoffs, and oh no, they were close. They were they uh, missed out. I think about one game. They're ten and six. They're right. currently one and five. One and 
One in five. One in five. Yeah, I mean, there's a and lot of expectations. that means some people are getting nervous about their jobs. Mm-hmm. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about more that actually happened, but it seems like an unfair situation for Tua. He's only been active and playing for two games. Um, the team is just – is. Like I said, they're one in five. They're Texans bad. They're Texans bad, but they have more talent. That's true. Oh, how many games has Wolf Fuller missed already? Is he? I thought he was done for the season. Nope. Oh, is he? Hold on. Let I, me check. I could have sworn he is. He's out for the season. Are you breaking news right here? I know he missed the first game for a suspension. Ooh, yes. Dolphins plays him. Dolphin plays Fuller on injury reserve Wednesday. Now, is that the injury reserve, injury reserve, or the one where you get to come back? That's a good question. Uh, that was two weeks ago? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was October 6th. Shows how much I pay attention to the Miami Dolphins. He's out for at least three games. So I think he's out for one more game. Okay. Yeah. So hand injury. Gotcha. Okay. He missed the first two games of the season. First game because of the suspension. I think that the I think wasn't that suspension for drugs? Because he failed a drug test. And uh, he had personal reasons in week two. So I think he's only played like one game. And wasn't he suspended last year for drugs? Yes, he was. I'm sorry. That's right. Yeah. He was suspended for like, if I remember correctly, he was suspended for like six games, but they only have five games left. And that's why he right. had the one game with the Dolphins this year. And he was doing great last year for the Texans. Mm-hmm. But it's always something with that dude. Yep. So I think he's only played week three, so two games, week three and week four. Yeah, he's only played two games of the season. Uh, I don't know. Again, there's always something with that guy. He's either hurt or an idiot. They off the weed, especially when they test for that. All right. Um, I don't have anything else about the Texans. You? The sooner you can get rid of Deshaun Watson, the better. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's uh, it's it's rough because like he's talented enough where you can't just give him up for pennies on the dollar. But like, you've got to get rid of him because it's it's still looming over your head. It's like a miasma just sitting on top of um, NRG stadium. Right. And especially when the team is as bad as they are. And it's like, you have this, this player that is good enough to, to, to not turn things around fully, but to make it a respectable season, or at least to, to make the each game competitive that's, I mean, that's a tough pill to swallow. 
mm-hmm. and it, it just doesn't make any it doesn't make the situation any easier for anybody um i mean the, the sooner you get rid of him you know the better the you know the more you can truly look towards the future and truly try and develop a game plan you know for what is next mm-hmm. all right enough sad shit let's move on to something fun um so- we're not doing overreaction reaction theater because we have another segment coming up uh, later so let's just talk about our games of the week go ahead my man yes oh darn it i just <laughs> turned off the uh, or just clicked away from the Scores or the, the the schedule, the lineup schedule. Oh no, craziness! Uh, I'm picking Chiefs and Titans. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'll go first. I'm picking the Kansas City Chiefs at the Tennessee Titans. Um, I think this is going to be a great measurement game for both teams. Uh, we get to see if Kansas City if that defense um, can improve any taking on a monster like Derrick Henry, and if the Tennessee Titans are f- for real and do have you know plans of going. F- that going for farther than just winning the AFC South, then they need to handle Kansas City. Like even mm-hmm. though Kansas City is only three and three right now, they're still the one of the top uh, teams in the in the NFL. Right. Uh, I'm gonna pick Bengals at Ravens. It's one of the few games where both teams are over 500. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's only like three games on tap that that really? have that. Yeah. Like three or four games, and uh, so I'm yeah, gonna the, pick them. Yeah, the game I picked doesn't even count because Kansas City is three and three. Yeah. Yep. No. Yeah. Um, speaking of Ravens, uh, great work on their game last week, just completely annihilating the Chargers. You know, oh, yeah. I called them out, and they responded. So you know, give them a little tip of the of the cap. Um, they look like a like the uh, dominant team in the AFC right now. Yep. Hey, can we take a pause? Yeah, sure. Do, okay. do, 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 do. All right, everybody back. Anthony had to go tinkle. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you have to say it like, put him on oh, manly. Oh, I didn't know. I just, You just walked away and I was over here playing on my phone. I don't know what the hell you did. I drank like two gallons of water today. It, it, it's uh. See what happens when you work out, you get all thirsty. Then when it's podcasting time, you have to go <laughs> running to the bathroom like the goddamn flash. Um, My bladder is not as trained as, as Joe Rogan and people like that who podcast for eight hours a day. Bladder tapped out. Um, so moving on, um, the reason we're not doing the uh, more reactive theater is because we wanted to save some time to talk about a little baseball. Yeah, get it in while we can. Yeah. Um, this has been one crazy topsy-turvy postseason, man. It seems like every series, there's been an issue with umpires. Oh, God. Are we really starting with that? I mean, because that is just... It's the biggest thing. Like, it's the biggest thing because it's caused so much frustration and headache for fans. They're like, not just Astro fan, but Astros, Red Sox, um... Yankees on the uh, Rays um, on the other side. Uh, did you see that game between the um, the Braves and the um, 
who was the Bruce? Braves and the Dodgers. Sorry. Dodgers. Uh, Walker Bueller threw this like perfect strike to end the inning and the umpire didn't call it. <laughs> and the Braves like scored, I think, three or four runs in that inning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was the Bellinger home run game. But it's like these umpires have been so bad for so many games. It's like, and I haven't even been following the other series, but just the series that the Astros have been in have been terrible. The White Sox series was just incredibly horrible, man. I, I that game believe... three of the White Sox series was just gross incompetence. I mean, everybody keeps talking about game four of the ALCS, the 2-2 pitch to Jason Castro and how it was it, it should have been called strike three. That's debatable. That's one of the few pitches that I actually can debate. And, but, wait, and before you say anything, ESPN's own stats show that that call is only called a strike 23% of the time. So three quarters of the time, it's called a ball, just like it was called during that game. Right. But not only that, you know, how it cost Boston the game. What do you expect when, when that, when that pitch, when you don't get that call, of course it's going to cost the game. And that's what happened to the Astros in game three that it, it, it completely, but, but my point is everybody focuses on this one pitch. What about the rest of the game? Like that let like the terrible, like, the terrible calls that, that were made up until that point when I, I just, you know, I don't have the words for it at this point. It, it's, it's still so frustrating. Like to harp on that one pitch, obviously the, people, the media is going to do it because it's Boston and because it's Houston and everybody wants Boston to beat the Astros, whatever. But I mean, you have to like, it's just disgusting how the, how, you know, the, um, the criticism is, is so one-sided, not just in general, but particularly for balls and strikes. How many times were the Astros uh, killed by, by strikes or pitches that should have been called ball? This entire series it's happened. That one strike that didn't call get called in Luis Garcia, Luis Garcia's game against the White Sox might change the entire World Series. Because if you remember, the Astros were winning. If that ball is called a strike and the Astros continue and go on to win that game and they sweep the White Sox, mm-hmm. that means Lance McCullough is not pitching game four, right. which means he doesn't hurt his arm, which yep. means he's available for the ALCS. And available for the World Series, and it means, and to to you know to a lesser extent, Jake Myers doesn't get hurt going for that home run ball in Game Four. Mm-hmm. So you your your team is at full strength for the entire ALCS. Um, but for all the negativity, all the harping that we've done on on pitch on the the officiating for the this series and the playoffs in general, as you've you've noted, man. This is this might be this, this this will be the sweetest World Series victory will ever this the, the Houston Astros will ever have. Hey, tap they on get wood. Stop, stop jinxing us. Because 
to do what they've done in, in the Boston series and the ALCS is to turn it around to get the pitching performance performances from Christian Javier out of the bullpen and Francis, uh, Framber, Mark, uh, Framber Valdez in game five is just nothing short of spectacular. When all hope is, is gone, you've got those two guys that have literally carried the pitching staff in, in the uh, American League Championship Series. Yeah, man, because after game three, look, it was a wrap. The way the yeah. Red Sox were hitting every Astros pitcher, um, every Astro pitcher would start the count zero and two, and the white and the Red Sox would still manage to weasel out a walk. Mm-hmm. It was just frustrating beyond all belief. And credit to the Astros pitcher, I mean, um, Brett Strom came out before Game Three and basically and had an interview. It was like, yeah. We think that our guys are tipping pitches. That's why the Boston hitters aren't swinging at pitches that we think they're supposed to be swinging at. And he was like, it's com- completely legal, no illegality. You know, they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. He was like, he's not trying to throw any kind of shade or anything. And he mm-hmm. said that before game four. And in the two games since, the Red, the Red Sox have scored a total of three runs. Yeah. Um. And we, we have broken Red Sox fans' brains. Have you have you been on Twitter? Have you been looking at all the conspiracy <laughs> theories they're throwing out? I've seen one. Uh, what was one? What about the? Hold on, let me give the Red Sox one first. There was the one about um, mm-hmm. Dusty Breaker has a Fitbit on, so he's somehow wirelessly transmitting or wirelessly getting signals from the outfield you know they're buzzing on his arm whenever it's a it's a uh a, uh it's a fastball and he's whistling or something um there was someone pointing out like apparently people were whistling in um in game what was that game five every time Alvarez came up to bat but mysteriously, it was only when Alvarez was going up the bat. It's like, you mean no one else was doing it for any other Astros players? Um, right. There was this this flight pattern that was posted about some plane just flying around Fenway. And <laughs> apparently uh, the Astros, you know, have a UAV up there that are, that with super binoculars that are relaying the signals. Like, they're, <laughs> they're grasping at straws to figure out why the series turned like had and i'm like the easiest answer is the astros pitchers and Ma- uh, maldonado behind the plate they were tipping pitches that's how you guys knew what was coming that's like mm-hmm. like they want to c- go and find all these fantastical reasons why the astros are cheating and have to be cheating and like the easiest reason is we were making mistakes we cleaned up the mistakes and now you guys aren't picking up on them anymore Right. I mean, <laughs> I just, you know, the buzzer thing, wasn't that Altuve's thing? Wasn't that yeah. supposed to be his thing two years ago? Like, come on. Like, we, we should have moved on. We've moved on from trash cans. We've moved on from buzzers. To, to insinuate that that's still going on is just utterly ridiculous and shameful at this point. Um, 
you know, hell, if they're using drones, nah, I, I, I want to go all the way. Company. I want to go all the way. We're using nano machines to get inside their pictures brains. So we know what picture going to throw. <laughs> That's it. I want all the conspiracy. Right. Throw them all that. Come on. Right. We if we are using drones. We have a psychic on the side that's like transmitting um, the, that can see five seconds into the future and is giving that information to our hitters. Come on. I want everything. Oh, that would be the best. I want, I want all the crazy conspiracy theories. It's, it just it I mean, kills that's, me. That's, that's, that's some Joe Boo shit out of Major League. That kills me because like you, they're making these conspiracy theories and talking about how the assholes are cheating. I'm like, so where was your manager last season? Did he decide to backpack through Europe? Where was Alice Cord during yeah. the 2020 season? Why wasn't he in the dugout? Can you explain it to me? Hmm. Hmm. I mean, it's not like they're they don't have their own questionable people on their on in their organization. Mm-hmm. We have the bench coach from from the guy that was, you know, from the team that this all started with. Yeah. You don't think he had ideas and 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 plans to, you know, of his own? I mean, he obviously did. (laughs) You don't think he's carried that knowledge over to the twenty nine, the twenty eighteen run when when the Red Sox won the title. It's just the funny. very next year. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. It's laughable. It's the hypocrisy to, to focus on one team is just outrageous. And and it's not just because I root for that team. It's just it's just mind boggling that to be fixated on this one team when since that year, since 2017, everybody else has been caught doing something. And some a senior writer at Bloomberg, Sean Dunham, I think his name. He just tweeted, remember when the Astros pulled their starter because he was, quote, unquote, injured after getting shelled in the first and brought him in, brought in a starter in the second. It took forever to warm up. And what seemed to be a pretty cynical bit of gamesmanship, that injured, quote, unquote, pitcher starting tomorrow night on regular rest. If If he was hurt and now he's still hurt, wouldn't that be an advantage for you guys? Right. And they still won the game. Yeah. Yeah. That Odorizzi took almost 30 minutes to, to warm up for to pitch. And their starters still stayed in the game and still mm-hmm. dominated us. So what the hell is everybody this Bloomberg guy? Bloomberg needs to, to stick to business. And not cover sports because it's just ridiculous. And then someone asked him about it. It's like the rule is if a pitcher leaves the injury, the pitcher can basically he gets as much time as he needs to warm up. And then the guy was like, I would love to explain how the Dodgers just pull the picture in the first and manage to have a relief pitcher come in and quickly move in with the game. And it's like, because their pitcher in the first was an opener, the entire plan was always for him to just pitch one inning and then leave. Right. 
And also the, and the guy fact that- the guy that they replaced him with was already warmed up. When older Rizzy came in, he was not warmed up at all. Yeah, he was still wearing his sleeves. Yeah. Like his uh and the fact that you weren't able to ice the Red Sox starting pitcher to be either. He was just mm-hmm. as effective the rest of the way. It's like the conspiracy theory. Just keep them, just keep them coming. Whatever <laughs> helps you sleep at night when y'all lose. Okay. Whatever helps. Yeah. And then and the other side. Just... Did you see Molly Knight's tweet about the Dodgers? About them losing last night? No. Oh, oh I will find it. Who's Molly Knight, by the way? She's she on Fox Sports. No, I don't remember who where she was before, but she's been in the athletic. Oh, okay. Molly Knight. So she tweeted this yesterday after the Dodgers lost to the Braves. The starting pitching was <laughs> oh, yeah. cooked. Curse, uh, Kershaw, Muncie, and now Justin Turner all hurt. Bellinger out most of the year. Mookie hobbled all year. This is why repeating as champions is so hard. All the wear and tear on the body catches up. <laughs> Come on, That's... the wear and tear of a 60 game season. Yeah, bro. Come on, come on. And let's not forget your team went out and traded for Max Scherzer and um, Trey Turner. Did we forget that? I love how she just conveniently forgets about um, what's his name? The douche. <laughs> he who shall not. Yeah. He who shall not be mentioned. Yeah. Maybe you spent more money on, you know, making other parts of your team better instead of going as a player that every organization knew that was who was problematic. Mm-hmm. Man, I got no sympathy for these Dodger fans. They're going to catch these jokes. The only reason y'all won that damn ring is because it was a shortened season and it's the one season that Kershaw was able to stay healthy for because it was only 60 goddamn games. And now you're talking about, oh, repeating is so hard because the wear and tear of the body. Please. If you don't go somewhere with that bullshit, yo. Yeah, I I did see that tweet. I I thought it was hilarious. Just. You know what's pretty damn hard? Mm -hmm. Getting to five straight American League Championship Series in a row, or five straight Championship Series. That is hard. That takes a toll because your team is not guaranteed to be any better than it was the year before. Yeah, and you know who else is having injury problems? The goddamn Atlanta Braves. Ronald Acuna, out. Marcel Zuna, he's out because he's apparently an abuser, but he's out. Jorge Soler, he caught COVID-19. He was out. Mike Soroka, out. It's like no one wants to hear you complain about injuries, and no one on the Braves wants to hear you complain about injuries. That's why I'd be so happy with the Braves not coming out. I won't. Braves go to the World Series. Astros go to the World Series. It's going to be the Southside World Series, Strip Club, 
uh, finals. It's going to be great. In fact, let me check. And I will have finally picked picked correctly. Uh, right all now, the years we've been doing this. Right now, the Dodgers are up three to two in the third. It's still early. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I don't want to hear Dodgers fans complaining. It's like when Yankee fans complain. It's like you guys have back in the day when they were complaining. It's like you guys have more than enough money. No one's going to feel sorry for you. Mm-hmm. Oh, speaking of Yankees, I love how Yankee fans are conflicted over this series. It's like they don't know who to hate more, the Red Sox <laughs> or the Astros. Right. Oh, and congratulations, Yankee fans, on signing Aaron Boone for another four years <laughs> wow did not hear that yeah they gave him three years plus a um option and it's like mm-hmm. when other teams are happy that you re-signed your manager you fucked up <laughs> hmm. and what about the astros i mean this is a team that um, for we've been talking about Lance McCullers for years now, you and mm-hmm. I, and we we both kind of came to the to the conclusion that he wasn't gonna wasn't gonna be a great starting pitcher. He'd been hurt, inconsistent, uh, talking a little too much, I guess, maybe for our likings, uh, while not producing as much as as he should. And I remember saying, at best, it would be great to see him a number two starter. But the way he's pitching, at worst, we could probably see him as number th- be a top number three guy. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to a team that I'm rooting for, I don't mind being proven wrong. And he proved me wrong this year. Mm-hmm. Guy was one of the best pitchers in baseball all season. Got hurt during the season. Um, and got hurt just before the start of the American league championship series. And the fact that we're still in this series, we have the lead. They have the lead in the series without Lance McCullers at all. That's, you know, that's incredible. Nobody's giving this team any props for that because it, because Lance McCullers not being able to start game one throws off the completely throws off the, the rhythm and the rotation of this team because Framber Valadez Framber Valdez was not prepared for game one. He was just not ready. It's, it's, it was just too big of a start. And that um, just, you know, I mean, we, we got the win. Don't get me wrong. They got the win. Uh, but you needed, you, you needed game one. You needed a game one starter to go six innings, to go five innings, to set the tone for the, for the, the rest of the series to make sure you're not blowing up your bullpen after one game. And that's mm-hmm. exactly what happened. Um, he, you know, he just wasn't ready for the, the, the pressure of that game completely made up for it in game five. Mm-hmm. One, of the, one of the greatest playoff pitching performances, the greatest in, in Astros history. Um, but man, one of the best playoff performances I've seen in, in a long time to go eight innings against the Red Sox against that lineup that has been crushing it is just nothing short of amazing game three. 
and, and and he pitched like the Framber Valdez that pitched in 2020 during the playoffs. Mm-hmm. He was a horse in the playoffs. Game three, man, I, I looked at it and I was like, uh, Urquidy has got to pitch like the Urquidy of 2019 when he was probably the best pitcher on the team. Second, well, no, second best pitcher behind Cole up until that point, you know, in, in the playoffs. I mean, he was lights out in, in the World Series when everybody was kind of rocky at that point. And he was that, him and Cole were those two stable forces that, really gave the Astros a chance to win that series. Obviously, they fell short. But he came out of nowhere to pitch like a madman mm-hmm. in the World Series of 2019. And we needed that for Game 3, and he didn't do it. But that's okay because, again, the Astros are still up in the series, and that's fine. I mean, it's, it's turned out okay. But, um, you know, if – Get through this series, move on to the World Series. You get Lance back. Yeah, maybe. Hopefully. Maybe by game three, perhaps. I don't know. Mm-hmm. That's like another week away. And if Fromber can keep it going, man, I mean, how do you not like those chances? I mean, I agree with you. I, I think they, they're going to win the World Series. Still have faith in them. Um, I, I do too. The only thing that shook my faith was just watching them getting, you know, completely destroyed in the Red Sox in games two and three. But yeah. uh, I was telling my coworker if if I told you after game four that the series was going to be tied two two, you'd be like, oh yeah, I I can see that. I expect it. Mm-hmm. The only reason it's shocking is because of the way the Red Sox won their two games. Right. Grand slam after grand slam after grand slam. Yeah. Basically. Yeah, that shit's going to burn if they lose this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <sighs> oh, well, we'll see. We'll watch the rest of Atlanta and L.A. tonight, tomorrow, or today when you're listening to this. We'll see if the Astros can finish off the Red Sox. If they do, we'll see 55 new conspiracy theories come for Red Sox fans, and I will bathe in it and love it. And nobody's talking about that light that that was being flashed or whatever during game five. Yeah, they um, they told Dusty, and Dusty agreed it was like reflective tape because he said he couldn't even see from his angle. I thought it was a um, – because they have a club back, like a club slash bar back there. I thought right. it was just someone in the back with their um, their iPhone um, flash on. I really didn't mm-hmm. even think anything of it. Until the, I actually think that's more plausible than them saying it was reflective tape. Right. And you noticed how uh, the Astros were up six to nothing at that point, or seven to nothing. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, they try to ice Fran- Framber, and he does give up a home run. I mean, he. It's, I mean, come on. What are we doing here? Let's just play ball, man. Let, let's if you're gonna if you're gonna try and play dirty, don't bring up old shit. Especially when you've been proven to be dirty as well. And still right. got the head dirt man on your team. 
I'm talking for a while. You got anything else, my man? Nothing. I'm fired up, man. I'm ready for game six. All right. Awesome. Awesome. So are we going to do a podcast this weekend? I think so. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see. see. It depends um, if the Astros handle business in -hmm. game six or it get pushed to a game seven. Um, And that's it. Um, Oh, there are two things I wanted to talk about before we go. Um, Our podcast is moving up the charts on an app called uh, Good Pods. You know, people have been checking us out. Um, I think the last I got the email saying we were like 90 something when it comes to independent pods. Let me go look right now. 26th for independent pods. You're what? Wasn't it 26th? What you said? No, we were like, oh, yeah, 26 and yeah, the top 100 indie sports chart. Yeah. And we were 92 in the top 100 sports, which is indie plus the big boys. So, you know, a little, little golf clap. We do well. Got to keep working. Yeah. I want that number one spot. Um, and um, the other thing I want to talk to you about real quick. So I got email from Anchor, and apparently they're starting to push out uh, video podcasts on Spotify. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I was like, if we sign up for that, then uh, we got to come in here, you know, suited and booted, looking fresh and fly. No, I won't. I'm coming here looking <laughs> bummed just like this. But yeah, I got the email. I'll fill it out and see if they choose us or not. Cross finger. All right. All right. Well, as always, a pleasure talking to my man. Always. And for all you listening, thank you for downloading, sharing, getting our numbers up. We love you very much. Uh, you know what we don't do anymore? We don't give out our socials. That's true. But you're never on Twitter, so who cares? Who cares? We're not doing it. <laughs> the our socials are in the description in the podcast. So you want to follow uh, follow us, you'll find them there. And um, yeah, that's it. We will be back Love some uh, yeah, we'll be back sometime next week. I make no promises about Monday because you <laughs> I've already lied to y'all twice in a row. I'm not gonna make it three times. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get out of here. But Anthony, I'm DeQuincy. Later, babies.